Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com. A service of the Salem Media. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. The amazing thing, folks, is not that they were just liberal in their giving, but Paul says they gave with joy in their hearts. Notice this. He says their abundance of joy, and he he then says overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. In other words, though poor and suffering themselves, they absolutely delighted in generously giving their money to help their fellow Christians. Amazing. Welcome to Verse by Verse. In 2 Corinthians 8, the Apostle Paul pointed to the poor people of the churches of Macedonia as wonderful examples of the kind of generosity that demonstrates God's grace in our lives. It's proportional, but it's also sacrificial, motivated not only by compassion, but also by an appreciation for what Jesus sacrificed in order to give us eternal life. C.S. Lewis said, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. I see that in Scripture, and my wife and I have found it to be true in our own lives. Maybe I'll have time later to share briefly about that. Right now, though, we need to get ready to resume our study of the nature of the church. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is guiding us through the various facets of the church, its origin, its builder, its government, and now its funding. This series sprang from a conversation in Matthew 16 between Jesus and Simon Peter. It was the first time Jesus mentioned the church. At the church we attended before moving away, the leadership offered a special class on biblical financial principles. It was a great class. The church was an upper-middle-class congregation, and even though most people were bringing home what I would consider a pretty nice paycheck, many were struggling financially, and very few exhibited the kind of generosity demonstrated by the Macedonians. You know what? Almost nobody came to that class. One woman gave the excuse that she didn't want someone telling her how to handle her money. Well, someone is telling us how to handle our money. God is. The Bible says more about money than heaven and hell for a very good reason. Grab your Bible if you can follow along and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Here's Pastor Steve. Now, folks, take this truth to heart. Your attitude towards money and what you do with money are very valid indicators of your spiritual condition. Those who are saved and are experiencing healthy spiritual growth will bear the fruit of generosity. See, it's not the size of your bank account or your present financial circumstances, whether they be good or bad, that determines whether or not you'll be generous. It is the state of your heart. It is the state of your relationship with the Lord. And the proof of this that is that it has nothing to do with your bank account is that these Macedonian Christians were incredibly generous in spite of the fact that they lived under awful circumstances. And that brings us to the second characteristic of a generous church. Their giving is always motivated by the grace of God. But secondly, their giving rises always, rises above their circumstances. It's not determined by their circumstances, at least not their generosity. The amount will be, but not their generosity. Notice verse 2. Paul says that in a great ordeal of affliction, 
their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. I I realize that this is, um, in our English translations, worded a little awkwardly, but it's not hard to understand. Based on our study, we determined that the gist of these words meant that these Christians, in addition to experiencing great suffering from being persecuted by unbelievers, that's what Paul means, in a great ordeal of affliction, were also extremely poor Christians. Their deep poverty. They were persecuted and they were very, very poor, yet they were generous. Now, it's helpful to, to know that when, when Paul says uh, all of the Macedonian Christians, he means that. I, I want to just cause you to think a little bit. Why would Paul say the churches of Macedonia, why would he characterize them as all being poor? That, that's not the norm. Normally, in a church congregation, you have people from varying economic levels. You have some who are very wealthy, some who are very poor, and some who are in the middle. But Paul says that all of the churches in Macedonia were poor. That's very unusual. It's rare to find a church where you'd say they're all poor. But he said not only a church, but all the churches in that region were poor. Why? Well, an understanding of their deplorable financial condition may help you to appreciate their generosity. Note this, especially in light of the fact that the Corinthian church at that point in history, we know they were wealthy. They were fine financially, yet they were stingy. By contrast, the Macedonians were poor, yet they were generous. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, in essence, saying, you're stingy, you're cheap. You've got money, you ought to give. The Macedonians are very generous, they're very poor. Now, how did they get in that situation? Well, several hundred years before Paul and the gospel came to Macedonia, remember, Paul is the, is the first one who brought the gospel to what is now known as Europe. But prior to that, the population of that region had been actually very wealthy because of gold mines found in the area. But during the first century, the economy of Macedonia had deteriorated. Why? Because the Romans had taken possession of all those gold mines. They taxed the copper and iron smelting and they canceled the right of the people to cut trees down to build ships and homes. So they they took essentially their livelihood away from them. In addition, we know that there were several wars fought on the soil there and numerous invasions by barbarians. And so this once flourishing area became an impoverished area by the first century, leaving the people essentially dirt poor. And yet, even with their personal circumstances so horrible, they still gave liberally to the saints at Jerusalem. The amazing thing, folks, is not that they were just liberal in their giving, but Paul says they gave with joy in their hearts. Notice this. He says their abundance of joy, and he he then says overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. In other words, though poor and suffering themselves, they absolutely delighted in generously giving their money to help their fellow Christians. Amazing. Just incredible. No wonder the Spirit of God led the Apostle Paul to use these particular Christians as models of generosity for us. Because based on their example, they teach us that each of us can give generously even if we are poor and hurting for money ourselves. In other words, 
No one can legitimately use the excuse that, that I'm too poor to give generously because of limited funds. No one can use that. If the dirt poor Macedonians could and did give open-handedly and with joy, then all of us should give generously too. And let me add this, that, that no economically challenged Christian should ever refrain from being generous in their giving out of fear that if they're generous, their money will run out. I touched on this last week. I reiterate it again. The reason that they should never fear this, and I understand it's a natural fear, but the reason is because the same one who said that he would build his church has also promised to provide generously for the needs of those who are generous in supporting the ministries of his church. Our Lord himself has promised to supply our needs if we're generous. And that great, one of the great promises, there are several in the New Testament made, but I think the most direct one is Philippians 4.19, in which Paul said to the Philippians, who were part of the Macedonian region of generous churches, he said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, you who have been so generous in supplying my need, Paul said, let me assure you that my God shall supply all, not just some, but all of your needs. Not what you maybe want, but what you need. And then he said, he's going to do it according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How rich is he? Notice he didn't say, I'll take a small portion out of my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He said, no, it's according to my infinite riches. How, Lord, how rich is the Lord? Well, what doesn't he own? Perhaps the reason that some believers, maybe even here, might find themselves continually strapped financially, is it because you've not been generous in your giving? Could be. Therefore, God has not been generous in supplying your needs. This promise in Philippians 4.9 is not for every Christian. It's a promise to those who are generous, and my God will, will generously supply your needs because you've been so generous in supplying the needs of his people. This is precisely the point of 2 Corinthians 9.6, where Paul says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly, He's talking about financially here. That's the context. Will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If you are generous with the Lord's ministry, he'll be generous with you. If not, he will not be. It is a form of discipline. So if you make generous giving, motivated by delight and joy, a priority in your life, you will see the Lord provide for you in ways that you could never have imagined. Why? Because he's faithful. Let me give you my own testimony on this. I had an experience a number of years ago. I was um, speaking at a a conference somewhere, and uh, after the conference, several of us went out to to eat dinner. And uh, I was very hungry that night, as I usually am. And uh, we went into sort of a a bakery um, restaurant, so you went to the the counter. And as we entered, I I noticed that there was a man who looked to be a homeless man sipping a cup of coffee. I gave no thought to him except that I noticed him. I was more concerned about feeding myself, getting, getting food. We ordered, I ate my food, and then as we were leaving, one of the people with us went over to that man and asked him if he'd like a meal, and he said he would. 
Uh, folks, I have to tell you, I was oblivious to this. I never even caught it. He said, I, I brought him over to the counter and I said, order whatever you want. You know, when I heard that, I was stung and convicted. I never thought of this man. I thought only of feeding my face. I was unthoughtful, insensitive. And I remember, though, as my friends walked ahead, I remember hanging back a little bit and confessing my sin to the Lord, my sin of stinginess and selfishness and self-focused attitude. And I said, Lord, I want to be generous like my friend. I believe that that is right. You are so generous to your people. You've been so generous to me. Would you help me be generous like my friend? And I tell you, it has been a, uh, something that I've been working on for years. It goes against my natural grain. I believe it goes against all of our natural grains to be generous. But I have to tell you in light of that, that as Michelle and I have made an effort to be generous with others every time we have done something special for someone. And we don't, and I'm even hesitant in saying this because I'm not trying to lift us up as the models of generosity the Macedonians are. That's why I admitted to you my natural stinginess. Uh, every time we have done something for others, God has always supplied our needs in abundance uh, with, with remarkable things. I, I can recall years ago, um, owing the government some money, you, you don't, and I didn't have it. You, you don't want to be in that kind of situation. And I went to the mailbox one day, and there was a cashier's check for the exact amount of what I needed to pay the government. I recall getting a U.S. savings bond from a relative who had died and kept it in her safety deposit box, and her daughter came over. Her daughter lived in Europe. She came over to the States, went into her safety deposit box a year later, and then uh, wrote me and said, my mom had this for you. I I hardly knew this relative. I would never guess that she would give me anything. I remember getting a gift from a friend who uh, he said the Lord had just put you on my heart. It was such a timely gift. I remember getting an anonymous gift when our savings account many years ago was down to next to nothing. And on and on it goes. And I just say this to let you know the Lord is faithful. If you'll be generous with him and with God's people, he will be certain to be generous with you. But this promise of meeting your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus is conditioned upon your generosity, upon your generosity. If you aren't generous, you cannot claim this promise. But how did the Macedonians become such shining examples of generosity? How could they be so generous under such awful, bad circumstances? And how could they do it with such joy in their hearts? What's the secret here? Well, Paul goes on to tell us the third characteristic of a generous church, and he's going to give us some insight as to why they did what they did and how they did this. But he has told us that they're giving a generous church Their giving is always motivated by the grace of God. Secondly, their giving always rises above their circumstances. And the third characteristic of a generous church is that their giving is always free from human pressure, always free from being coerced by somebody. Notice verses three and four, and we haven't covered so far. Paul said, for I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us 
with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. With these words, Paul spells out how the Macedonians, poor though they were, how they were able to respond so generously to the needs of the believers in Jerusalem and how they did it with such joy in their hearts. Now, the main gist, let me give you the big picture here and then we'll look at the details, but the main gist of these two verses is that when the Macedonians gave, what they gave, they gave because they wanted to give and not because anyone put pressure on them to give. Therefore, as we go through these verses, we need to be thinking about this, not only about how they, being so poor, could be so generous, but how each of us can follow their example. Because Paul's going to give us principles that guided the Macedonians in their giving. And that's very important to know because the 10% rule should, should not be your guide. These are the principles that should be your guide. First of all, Paul tells us that they gave, notice this, according to their ability. Meaning that what they gave, they could afford. It wasn't beyond them only. It started off where they gave according to their ability. In other words, they gave within their means. Now, this is a rather significant statement because it tells us that that giving is always in proportion to how much you have, how much you have. In other words, if you make a small amount of money, then give in proportion to that small amount of money. And you're going to give less money than somebody who makes more. But if God blesses you by giving you the ability to make more money, then give in proportion to that amount. Then what you give increases. It's in proportion to what you make. That is precisely the point that we looked at when Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16 2, give as God has prospered you. With some, God has prospered more. He prospers more than others. But in whatever way he's prospered you, give in proportion to that. You see, the New Testament doesn't give any command concerning the precise amount or percentage to give. But it leaves the percentage of what you give up to you to determine. Now, you can choose to give 10% if you want. There's no command that says you can't. But I will say this, that a heart of generosity is not stuck on 10%. Which I might add, 10% would be considered in our day and age a very cheap and ungrateful tip to give a waitress, let alone our God who we claim to love, adore, worship, who we say is the most important one in the world. Some of us are given a very poor tip, if at all, to him. Now, without telling us a specific percentage of our income to give, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 simply says to give as we have purposed in our hearts. In other words, give what you have chosen and determined to give. But how do you choose and determine what to give? If not the 10% rule, as some people think, well, what should help us in determining how much to give? Well, Paul gives a second principle here. Second principle of what guided the Macedonians in their giving. Not only, notice, not only do they give according to their ability, but notice that Paul says, that they gave beyond their ability, started with their ability, then they gave beyond their ability, meaning that in light of their poor economic situation, they gave above and beyond the normal expectation of anyone in their situation. That is to say, the Christians from these churches of Macedonia gave sacrificially. It cost them dearly to give away their money. That's the point. That, folks is the principle that ought to guide all of us 
in giving, in determining how much of our money to give in support of the ministry of our church. You see, although the Bible doesn't set an exact amount for us to give, it does give us the guideline that generous giving is always sacrificial giving. It ought to cost you something. Now, this certainly doesn't mean that you should, in giving, you should neglect your family. Paul said, if you do that, you're worse than an infidel. Don't, don't give money in the church and then you don't have, have enough money to, to feed your family. That's nonsense. Nor should you give such, in such a sacrificial way that you can't pay your bills. That's called a poor testimony. That's horrible. But it does mean that your giving should take you out of your comfort zone so that it should cause some deprivation on your part. It ought to cost you something. In other words, to give generously should result in you having to give up something that you'd like for yourself. That's what it means to give sacrificially. You sacrifice something for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be very careful at this point to not be misunderstood because there have been some Christians who have taken this principle of sacrifice too far to the point of cleaning out their life savings to support some ministry. And why? Because some spiritual guru with a charismatic and forceful personality exploited them by putting pressure on them to give to his cause and his organization. He just took advantage. That's horrible. I remember reading years ago about one leader who said, if I don't raise, and he gave some exorbitant amount of money, then God's going to kill me. And I thought, good. He ought to do that out of discipline to, to take advantage of people like that. That's a horrible thing to do. He actually said, God told me. I mean, that was the lie to begin with. And then to prey upon people and their resources like that, you ought to be taken out of here and do things like that to people. But listen, that's not all Paul is talking about. And that, that certainly wasn't true in the case of the Macedonians. He wasn't talking about putting any pressure on them. He wasn't talking about him appealing to them. Paul wasn't like that. Notice what he says about their giving at the end of verse 3. He says, they gave of their own accord, meaning that they chose to give voluntarily. No one coerced them into giving. Paul didn't plead with them. Paul didn't write them fundraising letters. Paul didn't lay a guilt trip on them. They didn't have to give out of obligation. Paul didn't send them pictures of these poor Christians at Jerusalem with tears running down their eyes. None of that. Paul didn't beg and plead with these folks to give. In fact, just the opposite was true. They begged Paul to take their money. How refreshing. Look at verse 4. He says, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. You realize what he's saying? What this verse tells us? As incredible as this sounds... He's telling us that these poor Macedonians actually had to plead with him to take their money. How amazing. Apparently, at first, Paul did not want to take their money. And we can understand that. They were so poor, he probably thought of taking a collection for them. But these people were begging him and urging him to let them participate in this collection. And eventually, Paul said, all right, yes. Why in the world would someone that poor, as poor as the Macedonians, beg Paul to take their money? Pastor Steve Kreloff will tell us on our next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
Verse by Verse is an extension of his teaching ministry there. You can find out more about Verse by Verse at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can download or stream any of our previous broadcasts from the Message Archive page. Since our topic these days is giving, it seems natural to mention our giving page. Verse by Verse can only stay on the air with the help of generous listeners like you. So if the Lord is moving you to take a supporting role in this ministry over and above your regular church giving, I would encourage you to click on that link and join our wonderful team of supporters. We are very grateful for each gift, and we work hard to use those funds wisely. It's an amazing privilege to be part of the Verse by Verse team. I mentioned at the start of today's program that I had a little story to tell. I'll be brief because time is running out, and I also want to be clear that this story was definitely God's doing. My wife and I had been struggling with finances for the first decade or so of our marriage, and we often had to borrow to make ends meet. We gave a few dollars to the church, and we always felt guilty that we gave so little, but we were afraid to do more. Is that you, maybe? Eventually, the many verses about God's faithfulness and promises overcame our fear, and we set apart a specific percentage, a percentage, in fact, that we thought we could not afford. But since then, we have never struggled with money. God changed our perspective about needs and wants, and even though our income remained about the same, and 